Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas from Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama, welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we are going scripture by scripture, verse-by-verse, line-upon-line, precept-upon-precept. We're going to resume our study, and we're going to pick up from Romans chapter number 3, verse number 24. Again, that's Romans chapter number 3, verse number 24. This text reads, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We laid the previous foundation that first Romans 3.23 uh, was not speaking about uh, a failure of the born-again believer's life uh, to be able to live righteous or to be able to live holy. Uh, It was just a statement of truth that at some point in history, Adam sinned, and as a result, all men uh, became deficient, cut off, and suffered need and were destitute of the glory of God or an intimate connection and fellowship with God. But the answer for that or the solution for the dilemma of Romans 3.23 is Romans 3.24, okay? And even though these two verses are side by side, they're, they're, they're speaking of two entirely different realities. The scripture is just so, if you think about the word of God, it's just so, uh, um, you really have to pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit and really meditate uh, to catch some of this. Because verse 23, again, speaks about the fall of two people groups. Verse 24 speaks about the born-again, regenerated Christian who is in Jesus Christ, who is now victorious because of the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection. So between verse 23 and 24, they both deal with two totally different realities. And if if you read too fast, you can miss it, and you may, you know, mix one with the other. But 24 is victory. 23 is a verse of defeat that happened, but it is also an encouraging verse because it leads to verse 24. This word being, the word be means to exist. It means a present condition. So when you see being, we could read it. We could read it like this: existing, justified freely, presently existing, presently being in the now, not tomorrow, not in the past, not in the future, but presently existing, justified, okay? So it says being justified freely by his grace. So verse 24, again, I want to make this clear. It's not talking about the past or the future, but this is a present condition and state of justification uh, that every true Christian possesses in the now, okay? regardless of what we've been taught, what we hadn't been taught, 
how we may feel about ourselves. The truth of the matter is that if we have believed and put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, have truly been encountered by him to be brought from death to life, we exist. We are presently existing in what the Bible calls being justified. Okay. Now, we're going to slow this down uh, just a little because I know a lot of you have heard the term justified before. Some of you in your mind or in your thoughts, you may have even said justified, never sinned. And others may be saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we may have some on who don't have a clue of what justification really means. Uh, but I was inspired by the Holy Spirit to really just slow this down uh, to challenge uh, all of us to really look deeper into the value and the worth and the premium in this word justified freely as it, as it relates to the gospel. Let me explain why. In many occasions, we have a, first of all, let's, let's, let's identify what justified means. It means to render innocent or just, to render Okay, means that someone has to has to render it. It also means to declare one as innocent or to declare one as just. Just is another word for righteous. Okay, it means to pronounce one as innocent or one as just. But it also means this, and I thought this was a powerful definition. It has a simple definition that says, such as he ought to be. So, such as one ought to be. Such as one ought to be. So, we ought to be righteous. We ought to be just. Okay? We ought to be justified or not guilty. God didn't create it. He didn't create you and I to be blamed or to be guilted or to be condemned. But he created us for his righteousness and for his will. And so even though justification is, I want you to hear this, even though justification is a beautiful thing to the person that has sinned or the person that has transgressed or the person that has walked in iniquity, in another sense, it's really not an extra special thing to strive for because it was the original condition that God created for you and I to exist in from the beginning. Okay? It is just as we ought to be. Okay? And so when this verse says being justified or being rendered just or innocent, I want to talk to you about uh, a different perspective of thinking as it relates to uh, justification. And the thing that I feel important to emphasize and to drive home is, number one, to have you understand that this word justification is a court term. It is a courtroom term. It is a it is the it is it is courtroom. Uh, language and this word justification deals specifically 
with the courts of heaven. Okay. And if you're unfamiliar with the courts of heaven, let me explain. The very concept of government that we have on earth, whether it's president, whether it was kings, Congress, Senate, uh, um, you know, those who write our laws, what we call civil authorities, okay? All of that is a, a weaker and corrupt similitude of the original government and of the true government that exists in heaven. In other words, it's a prototype, okay? It, it serves some good, and it helps here and there, but the very idea and concept of government okay, came from heaven. Okay. And so you will find that just as we have judges, federal judges, we have circuit court, we have federal court, but just as we have judges on this earth, those seats and those concepts of judges didn't start with the intelligence of some human on earth who just thought that it was good one day that, hey, you know, we're so chaotic and we're so barbaric as a civilization that we need to come up with this concept called government, okay? No, that, that ingenuity to understand government order and authorities and seats of power didn't come from the intelligence and the wisdom of man. It came from, you know, those who had a glimpse into the real world or the kingdom of God as, you know, uh, the prophet Isaiah tells us about Jesus, that the government should be upon his shoulder. And this is why they call Jesus the king of kings, lord of lords, king, government, king, kingdom. And so, when we look at justification, I want you to think about a judge sitting on a throne, okay? Because that is exactly the picture that the gospel paints as it relates to the term justification. And I'm going to tell you why this is so serious. We have at times the faulty misconception that somehow Satan, demons, principalities, powers, demonic forces, and wickedness or evil can somehow defeat God or is somehow going to destroy the world, the earth, and everybody in it. There are those who believe that, it, you know, that wickedness and evil um, has the freedom to challenge God and to test God and to make things hard for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth, okay? I want to paint a different picture because, first of all, God the Father is the judge of all. And I want you to remember that term, the judge of all. And so when you think about justification and Jesus paying a price to pay us back or to redeem us from the devil or to buy us back, I want to make it clear. He was not buying us back from Satan. Satan, Satan didn't own us. Okay? Satan is not an authoritarian. Satan is not a judge. Okay? You have to realize that 
that Adam's transgression was against God, okay, was against his law, his will, and his righteousness, okay? And so when we understand that, the only being that you and I need to be afraid of is the judge of all. Okay. We need not fear demons. We need not fear principalities and powers. You need not fear works of darkness. We don't have to fear any of that because everything, even the demons, we, we see that in the book of Job. We see Satan having to, uh, being given the liberty to come before the throne of God when the angels presented themselves before God at the throne, so did Satan as well. He doesn't look like a arch rival, you know, in that. He's, he's submitted. He's asking for permission before God himself. And so we got to change. We're giving the devil too much power, too much credit. We're giving darkness too much power, too much credit. We're, we're making Satan and demons and the power of darkness sin. And our battles, uh, we're giving them too much leverage over us by not understanding and fully comprehending how great, how powerful, and how awesome our God really is. And so very quickly, what what the Bible teaches is that one day everything and everyone will have to give an account before the judgment seat of Christ or before the judge of all the earth. Now, you say, well, why do you keep saying that term, judge of all the earth? I want you to look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. This, this, this term was used twice, even though you see it in operation all throughout the Bible. But the judge of all was used twice in the Bible, okay? The judge of all. Now, when we say all, I want you to think about good, evil, um, angels, people, Demons, creation. Isaiah chapter 2 even talked about the judgment that will come upon creation of certain trees and even boats and even sails. I mean, don't ask me how or why, but God brings everything into accountability, okay? Even creation seen and unseen. And so if, if he's the judge of all, then why are we afraid of someone that has, that's going to be called into accountability for their actions just like us? Okay. That makes sense. Okay. He's not that powerful. But Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, in this particular verse, this is when Abraham was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah and was bargaining with God and and was pleading and trying to get God not to destroy that city for the sake of a certain number of righteous that could be found therein. But verse 25 says, this is what, this is what uh, Abraham or Abraham actually said. He said, that be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And this is what Abraham told God. He said, now you can't kill the innocent people with the wicked because the innocent people hadn't did anything. So 
I'm asking you to spare them, the wicked, for the sake of the righteous. And, and this is what Abraham had a revelation of, that he was not just talking to God, he was talking to the judge of all. And so based upon his understanding of God being judge and not just creator, he began to use legal terms to bargain for souls and for people to be saved operating in the courts of heaven. Again, let me explain. Abraham did not approach God in Genesis 18.25 as creator. He approached him as judge of all. And then he threw back in God's face, uh, basically, his law practice. And he reminded him of what he had to stand for as a judge, okay? That as a judge, you have to do right, okay? You have to uphold equity, righteous, justice, okay, fairness. And so based upon that, he began to intercede, and he was accessing the courts of heaven. And this is where his confidence came from, because he understood legal protocol. And he knew that he was dealing with a judge who had the power to either forgive, to show mercy, or to condemn. Okay? Judge of all. Okay, let's look at it again in the New Testament. Matthew chapter, no, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Okay? And this is right after Hebrews 12.22. But Hebrews 12.23 makes this unique statement in this verse that's pretty, pretty, pretty powerful. It says, To the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn, which are written, and to God, here we go, the judge of all. So we see this in Genesis 18.25, and we see this phrase about God again in Hebrews 12.23. He is called the judge of all, not just every human, but listen, all that exists will be brought before him, okay? And we'll have to give an account. We have to stand before the judgment. Okay, the reason that I'm sharing this it's because that is a pretty serious thing. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, humans. He's just speaking about humans. That we may give an account of those things which ye have done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay? We shall all. But God, the judge of all, let me, let me just, just kind of flash some stuff before you real quick. Okay? In the book of Revelation, there's a time when even Satan himself is judged by God. The beast, the false prophet, and the dragon, and the fallen angels are all thrown into the lake which burneth with fire that the Bible calls the second death. Not the first step. Don't don't how you die more than one time. The first step, the second death, and and this this God is so powerful as the judge of all, because when we read Revelations closely, we see that the earth gives up its dead, the sea gives up its dead, the graves give up their dead, and then the people appear before the white throne, 
judgment of God to receive another judgment. Okay? And some are who whoever's name is not written in the book of life, the Bible says they're thrown and cast into the lake which burned for fire forever and ever. Okay. But it's clear when we understand him as the judge of all that if we're going to be afraid of anybody's power, it's not the devil's. Again, if we're going to be afraid of what anybody can do, it's not demons. It's not witchcraft. It's not, you know, just uh, uh, the, the, the occulted power. is not uh, any dark power. It's not any, it, 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 it just, it's not principalities and powers because they don't measure up to the power of our God who is judge of all. But I think that the enemy has sold us a lie of deception and he makes us afraid of him and then, you know, he makes us kind of take God like When we really should be more reverent and more fearful of God and really taking the devil like because he's in the same line to be judged just like us him and his demons and his cronies and his followers and those who rebelled as well. So when we talk about being justified, oh, okay. Let me give you a verse for that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is what Jesus said. He said, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Now listen, let me slow this down. This lets me know that the judge of all has power to kill the soul. Okay. How do you kill a soul? I don't know. But the judge of all. And it don't, but you know, whatever that means, we don't want any part of it. But yet, what I'm bringing out is who holds the real power, who holds the real authority. Okay. Listen. When Jesus hit the sea, even the demons fell down before him. Jesus of Nazareth, we know you who you are, the Holy One of Israel. What have we to do with you? Have you come to torment us before our time? They know that they got a time of torment coming, and they were terrified and fearful and begging Jesus. They didn't want to see him. Now, if that is true with the Son, what do you think is going on with the Father that sent him? What do you think that spirits and demons and Satan, how do you think that they fare in his presence, he who sits upon the throne, the judge of all? The reason that I'm going here and I'm taking the time to explain this is because as we get into this word justified, justified has nothing to do with Satan, has nothing to do with demons, has nothing to do with the power of darkness. It has everything to do with how we fare with that powerful, dreadful, champion God that we serve, you know, God of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has all power to kill body and soul and hell, that everything is going to stand before to be judged and be held accountable. Angels, humans, every generation, the sea will give up his dead, you know, the earth will give up his dead. The day graves will give up their dead and always stand before him small and great. Okay. Um, Lucifer, Abaddon, Apollyon, 
all those creatures and the one-third of the fallen angels will all bear their judgment as well, everybody lining up to face him. Okay? Okay? And so being justified means a lot, you guys. It, it means a lot. And so I, I wanted to, uh, to explain that because I think sometimes we, we read it, you know, but I don't think we're really getting the weight of what Jesus did for us when it comes to being justified because it's a scary thing to not be justified. It's an awful thing. You know, to 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 be on the other side of a judge who can't do anything but right. Okay, and for us to be wrong or to be being held accountable for our sin, and we're dealing with a judge with that much power who can't do anything but right. He can't bend it. He can't be lenient. He can't twist it. He can't give us a pass on the back. He has to be righteous in what he does. And yet, he has found a way to justify us, to render us righteous without compromising his character, his integrity, his nature, okay, and his judgment. Okay? I want to share you this as well. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 6. I'm not trying to scare you, but this is in the Bible. This is the stuff, just being quite honest with you, that helps us remain obedient to God. I think if, you know, if people really just taught the whole Bible and instead of just sharing the things that sound good and make people feel good, that people would live better because they could clearly understand the consequences of their actions and make better choices, Okay. You can't count up the cost if nobody makes known to you how much a decision is going to cost you. And so let's look at Revelation chapter number 6, verse 15. Well, let's start at 14. This is speaking about... Um, Basically, a time that's coming upon the earth. But I want you to see this. It says, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Look at 15. And the kings of the earth, this is everybody that seems to be powerful on this earth, and the great man, and the rich man. You know, on the earth, it's the rich that think that they're powerful. And the chief captains. And the mighty man, and every bondman, and every free man, look at what they did, hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains. So this is the best, this is the toughest that earth has to offer, okay? This is the people that we're running from, we're afraid of, that, you know, that sometimes challenge us to speak up for Jesus about, you know, their presence here and there because of how we view them and how powerful they may seem, how important they may seem. Verse 15 says, on that day when he who sits upon the throne shows himself, nobody's going to be powerful. Okay? All the people, the Bible says they hid themselves in dens and in rocks of the mountain. And look at what they said in verse 16. And said to the mountains and the rocks, follow us. 
Okay. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath or the anger of the Lamb. Listen, listen, Christian. I can't reiterate this enough. Our God in Jesus is tougher than we think. This, this kingdom that we're a part of is no joke. Okay? It, is the, it is the highest of highest, and God's power is the only power that should be feared. Okay. You know, uh, we should not, you know, fear man. We shouldn't fear the devil. Look at what they said. They, they, they wanted rocks to follow them just to get away from him that sitteth on the throne, the judge, and from the wrath and the anger of the Lamb. It says, for the great day of his wrath or anger is come, and Apostle John asked the question, and who shall be able to stand? Okay? Now, I wanted to bring some respect, some reverence, and some godly fear, and maybe a little bit of the other kind, too, if it helps us live better, as it relates to God being the judge of all. Because when we, when we move on into understanding being justified, I want you to get the devil out of your mind, period. And all I want you to think about is the ancient of days, God, the judge of all, and everything that I just shared to you about how that everything will stand before him and give an account at some point and how fearful and condemning and bad that is for whatever and whoever is caught on the opposite side of that, okay, in sin or condemned. And this is why we needed Jesus, okay? This is why justification is more important than any dollar amount in your bank account, in any earthly possession, in anything you can even imagine that you want in this world. Justification means more. It means more to your soul and your life today and it means more to your eternal soul forever. God bless you. Thank you for this time. I pray that the Bible study brought some understanding, but also uh, just awaken and awareness to think beyond uh, the norm. Uh, Lord willing, we will continue this coming Monday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Grace and peace be with you.